right. <laughs> so we are we are now recording live uh, for our workshop today, and we are talking all about time boundaries. So at the end of this workshop, you'll be able to identify what a time boundary is, identify what your current time uses in each category, and the elements that impact those breaches of time. You know, those hidden time boundary breaches that may be sabotaging you the most. You will also have a working time frame work that works for you and know how to begin using your new time boundaries and discussing them with others. So we're also going to have a segment at the end where we're going to go a little bit deeper into how you can convey these new time boundaries and when they get broken, how do you talk about it? How do you start to address it? We also have a nice surprise at the end for all of you guys. So we've got a little bonus to so stick around for that one. Hi, I'm Carol Jean, founder and host of Mind Your Autistic Brain talk show and community. And you're about to experience the new way to thrive in life and relationships as a late identified autistic by unveiling who you are how you communicate, finding your self-care plan from the inside out, and being the authentic creator of your best life. Get ready, because this is where we go against the mainstream, say no to outdated society norms, and we say yes to who we are in order to create a joy-filled, balanced, and more neurodistinct world. Welcome to Mind Your Autistic Brain. If you're new or if you've known me for a bit, I'm Carol Jean. I'm the principal and founder of Mind Your Autistic Brain. I am a late identified autistic ADHD adult. I found out I was ADHD in my late 20s, but then I didn't discover that I was autistic until I was 39, two months from being 40. And I was going through the diagnostic process with my son at the time, who was 10 years old. And I had no inkling, no clue that I could possibly be autistic. And the neuropsychologist that we had been seeing for my son looked at me and said, hey, you know, you were missed. And I'm like, in my very black and white literal brain, I said, no, I'm not. I'm right here. Nobody missed me. <laughs> so that was the very first introduction to, hey, you're you're autistic. And of course, went through the whole process after that. But that was my big, oh my goodness, life changing. I'm not broken. I think differently moment that changed my life. Allie, I'd love for you to introduce yourself. I'm muted. Didn't even realize it. Thank you, Carol Jean. I feel very fortunate um, to be working with you. So I am a therapist that has worked with neurodistinct individuals for years, I've always been super drawn to this population. I've loved it. And then in my thirties, I was at therapy and I was just, I was a mess. Like I was just really overwhelmed feeling all sorts of shame. And the therapist was like, yeah, I mean, maybe we have to think about different ways to manage your ADHD. And I was like, I don't have ADHD. And she's like, yeah, you do. Like she backtracked really uncomfortably. Like, oh, I just assumed we all knew you had ADHD. Um, so it's just, I look back now and it's so interesting because I was always drawn when I was, uh, when I worked more with kids to kids who like 
couldn't regulate and kind of would just be out of nowhere. I would loved those kids. And now I think it's because I felt so comfortable and I really understood the challenges. And I feel like that still plays out now um, when I'm working with individuals. Well, Allie and I are the coaching team of Coaching Cafe Academy. And what we do and what, what we do together is we have a unique solution that we've created called the Communication Ecosystem for Neurodistinct Humans. And that helps us bridge the communication for all neurotypes. And that helps us to deepen our authentic connection to ourselves as well as to those that we're in relationship with. That's what Allie and I do. We have created the ecosystem for us, by us, to help translate our, your, our unique communication styles and the things that impact us, like burnout and meltdown, that impacts our communication styles. And we make sure that we teach all of these things in our unique communication ecosystem with all five elements. So guys, we just want to remind you that you are in a neurodistinct space. You're here today and you're autistic, you're ADHD, you're a neurodivergent neurotype. You, my friend, are in the right place. You can turn your camera off. You do not have to have it on during this workshop. That is totally fine with us. We are good with that. We also have live closed caption transcription. So if you look down at your toolbar, you see that you'll see that you can activate that. I use it. I am like everything in our neurodivergent world. I am a conundrum of all things. I am an auditory processor with an auditory processing delay. So I really find captions very helpful. I use them to watch TV, everything. And I usually like to see people on Zoom if we're talking, cause I lip read. <laughs> so if you guys need that, go ahead and take a minute to turn it on. And if you put your cursor over the caption box, then you can um, move it around and place it anywhere on the screen that you would like to so that it's comfortable for you. Because I know sometimes it's like, oh, it's at the bottom. I can't see it. You want to move it up where you can see. Um, also, the chat box is open and available. We want for you guys to engage with us. We want you to enter things into the chat box. You know, we'll have some questions and polls kind of to help navigate and go throughout the entire experience here together. Um, and at the end, we're going to answer, have a question and answer session. So as you're going through this, I don't know if you're like me, I won't remember a question at the end, but I'll remember it in the moment. So go ahead and just pop your question in the chat box as we go, because Allie and I are going to be scanning the chat box to get your questions for the end. And we do have a very special uh, announcement that we're going to make here at the end of the um, workshop before we go into our question and answer se session. So please make sure you stick around because we're really excited to share this with you. Um, let's see, Allie, do you have anything you want to add to that? No, I just think like Carol Jean said, this is going to be a space where we're talking about boundaries, which many people may not have even heard of, but we're definitely going to be bringing it from the neurodistinct perspective because typically things, everything is written for a neurotypical person, normally or by a psychologist, like a long time ago, and then it's not applied all that often. So we are going to try to give you things that we actually think will be helpful and also just ways in which we violated our own boundaries. And it took a, a few times to even realize what that was and why it was so frustrating. Oh, those are the big ones. And that's, you got to remember guys, we're approaching everything from our neurodistinct perspective. 
this is everything that we do in our way and how it shows up in our lives because it's different. And you can go look at all these different books and all these different articles and all of these different courses, but they're usually written by neurotypicals. And it's not from our perspective. It's not sharing our real life challenges and the things that impact us and, and impact our ability to live a thriving life. And that for Allie and I is the ultimate goal that we seek to teach each person is to live your authentic thriving life on your terms. So today we're going to be talking about time boundaries. So there are seven main categories of boundaries, and these boundaries are essential for each person to define their place in the world and how they want to operate and show up in life. Boundaries help us manage not just our time, but our energy. And if you guys have been following me for any amount of time, I talk about energy all the time because it is the thing about burnout. It contributes to meltdowns. It contributes to burnout. It contributes to shutdown, our energy. And boundaries are one of the most critical components to balancing that. Where our energy goes out, boundaries help us identify that, but it also helps us navigate where we're making sure energy is coming in. Boundaries are one of the five elements in the communication ecosystem that we teach in Coaching Cafe Academy, and values are the foundation of our boundaries. And we go deep into values as one of our five elements in our Coaching Cafe Academy, because values, everything that we do comes from a value. And today we're going to be talking about the boundary, but those values impact greatly the boundaries that we choose. The boundary that most of our clients tell us that they found for themselves that is either not set with intention and most often gets broken is time boundaries. Time boundaries can be tricky because they aren't like physical boundaries because we have physical boundaries and that's like our physical space. You know, the, the space we take up in the world is kind of like our personal barrier, like, you know, five feet of distance. I'm, I don't know about you guys, but I'm loving the distancing. The self-distancing is so nice. Like, why couldn't we do this all the time, right? <laughs> like, this is my space. Stay on your side of that. <laughs> five feet, great. Six would be, six would be better. Um, so the physical boundary is a lot easier to identify. And that's the one most people can sort of go, oh yeah, physical. But then we have time boundaries that are harder to navigate, like our mental, relational, emotional boundaries, our time boundaries, our spiritual boundaries, those things, because they're, you know, they're not tangible, like our physical or our material, like our material boundaries are a lot easier. Cause it's like, that's my stuff. Don't touch my stuff. <laughs> You could set that boundary a lot easier. But when we're talking about time, we're talking about one of those where it's not a visible, tangible boundary. All their time boundaries are the ones that we feel the most. The time boundary is how you choose to spend your valuable time and also includes who you choose to spend your time with. How many of you guys drop it in the chat box? When you think about a time boundary, do you just think about like the schedule and what you're supposed to be doing? Do you ever think about who you're spending your time with? Put in the chat box. Yes or no. Let us know. We want to know. I, I want to extend that Kelgene. Like who are you spending your time with physically over zoom, right? I mean, a human or social media podcast, like who are you kind of letting in and spending time with in that sense too? Um, cause 
one of my time suckers is I listen to this morbid podcast. I like, you would think I'm best friends with these girls. I've never talked to them, but they sometimes I'll look and I'm like, Oh, they've taken hours from my life. I would have rather hung out with my husband than these girls that I don't know on a podcast. So it's, it's secretive how your time can get wasted. Ooh, yes. We call those our sphere of influence. Those, those quiet spheres of influence in our life. Good one, Allie. Definitely. Do you guys get sucked into like TV shows and podcasts and stuff? And all of a sudden you're like, whoa, I have just spent my entire day listening to this on, you know, moving from one episode to the next. I do that sometimes (laughs) when I'm working out. We're getting chat answers that no, people haven't really thought about the fact that time is also who you're spending it with. Cause yeah, even when you think about how people talk about time, it's very physical and you're meant to put in kind of what, like your work schedule. And then sometimes maybe people use it for like meal prep sometimes like they might put in, but it's rare that someone's like, did you put in your connection time with people? Did you put in time to just kind of do nothing? Like we don't think that way about our time. Yes. And one of the the biggest hidden time boundary breakers is the classic, just five more minutes, just five more minutes. So I used to be so bad about this before I started learning about boundaries and time boundaries and started looking at how I use my time and how it shows up. This was one of these hidden time boundary busters for me. So I would sit down and I would start writing or I would start reading or working on something on the computer. Let's say it's 9 a.m. I got my cup of coffee. And then the next thing I know, it's like two or three o'clock in the afternoon. I realize all of a sudden, because I'm hangry, that my behind hurts because I hadn't gotten up out of the chair. My legs hurt because like all the blood flow is pulled to my feet. I haven't had anything other than the cup of coffee that is now cold and only half drunk sitting next to me and I've had nothing to eat. And I've been sitting there since 9am and it's like six or eight hours later. That is so exhausting. And it's, you may not, I, I wouldn't feel like that much time had passed and maybe felt like an hour. But in reality, when I looked at the clock, I was like, holy crap, I sat down at 9am and it's now like three o'clock in the afternoon. And I have not gotten up. And until I got like physically uncomfortable, I'd even been holding it and not gone to go pee, right? Like two or three hours. So that is one way that those hidden areas that break your time, that, that breach it can show up. So there's also those other things like Allie, what's one of the ones that maybe you've had happen, like when you're physically doing something and then how does time feel for you when you're like physically doing a a chore or a task? Yeah. Okay. So I wanted to add on to Carol June with your example. So we're as humans, typically really good intentions, right? So Carol June, it's really easy to violate your your time boundaries when you're like, I'm going to get this work done because it's really helpful for my client or I need to do this for other people. So then it's so much easier to sit there longer and longer and longer. Um, but yeah, then you forget to pee and eat. Another way though is, um, so time can get really uh, mysterious when you're in activity. So I, one of my favorite forms of procrastination is organizing things, but I will, I'll say, okay, I'm going to organize, I don't know, let's say like my closet. 
But then all of a sudden I decide, oh, well, I can sell some of these clothes. I could donate some of these clothes. And when I thought organizing my closet would maybe be like an hour, like I don't have that many clothes, it ends up being a four hour project. And then it, I added a new project to myself because now I have to somehow get these clothes to Goodwill, which will probably end up taking me like a month because they'll just sit there and I won't do it. So it's interesting though, how like that one task can extend on the flip side, some of our ADHD autistic people can really, really hyper-focus and maybe clean a closet in 20 minutes, as opposed to a neurotypical person that might take like an hour. Um, so sometimes time is on their side, but a lot of times we tend to stretch it, um, and think we're going to do things in those 20 minutes. And it ends up being like a two hour project. Yep. You know, and it's, it's different too. Um, like I would, I went to go clean up my bookshelf and I'm like, okay, this will probably take me like an hour, take everything off, sort through the books, you know, see which ones I want to keep dust and clean all the bookshelves. Cause I've been feng shuiing and reorganizing my world since, since before Christmas, that's been my, my thing. And by the way, I have a bag of clothes in my car that have been riding around for two weeks because I did get my closet cleaned. And then I'm like, put the donation, but it did make it to the car. It just hasn't made it to Goodwill yet. I'm working on that part. Um, we've had a lot of snow, so I haven't really gone anywhere. Honestly, <laughs> I haven't left my house hardly because I can't drive on. I don't want to drive on the ice, but anyway, so I, I thought, oh, it's going to take me an hour to do my bookshelf. And I finished, I got everything done, got it all put back in there. And I'm like, see, this looks good. All right. I'm feeling good about this. And I'm like, huh, I wonder how long it took me. I look at, I looked at my phone. It took me 30 minutes. It took half the time. And I thought, oh, it was going to take me an hour, but I don't know. I guess I was just physically moving and doing stuff. And so it actually seemed like it was maybe five minutes. It didn't seem like it took that long, but it took me about 30 minutes. So what's really interesting about these two different perceptions of how time can feel to us is something called time blindness. And it's something that is exceptionally common in the autistic ADHD world. So time blindness is the perception of how time passes in a mental task versus a physical task. Time blindness can make it difficult to estimate how long a task takes to complete. And that means that you can also over or underestimate time. So how many of you guys, drop in the chat box, how many of you guys are identifying with one of these elements of time blindness, yes or no? Jesse's saying yes. Um, I just did this this morning, Carol Jean. I did the whole, um, oh, okay. I could probably write those three emails, do my hair and walk my dog in 20 minutes. That never was going to happen, but I think I did it once. So then I relied on that one time and kept trying to achieve that. Um, other people are saying the same thing that they definitely can relate to, um, time boundary. Oh, Lulu said when she's drawing the time blindness. Yeah, it's well, and I think Carol G might get into this too, but when you're in a task that you really like, and it's super like dopamine and you're getting all the things you, you do, you genuinely zone out into this beautiful place, but time still kind of bites you in the tush later because you might be zoned out way longer than you realized. And Michelle brought up a really good one, the phone. <laughs> I usually avoid the phone like the plague. Like Ooh. if your name does not pop up and I don't know you, I don't, I, I hate to talk on the phone. I, they're like a handful of people I talk to on the phone, but that's a good one though. Cause you know, 
sometimes you'll get on a phone call and you don't realize the time that's passing. You know, I know that I do that. So one of the things about time blindness is that when we aren't aware how we perceive time, those mental versus physical tasks and our estimations, they can totally tank our well-planned schedule. Oh my goodness. So have you guys, now that we're sort of starting to talk about this, can you think of how many times are in your life right now, maybe in the last week or so, where time blindness may have been the thing that just totally blew your schedule out of the water? So I'm not, I don't really like to drive. I do, but it's not my favorite thing to do. It's like my least favorite thing to do, especially if if there's a lot of traffic. Well, I started to notice, especially over the last year or two, that when I go to the grocery store in particular, because I live out in the country, and by the time I drive 20 minutes all the way to town, and then I drive through town to the middle of town to the grocery store, I've navigated traffic, which can be a little stressful, And, you know, just the whole act of having to focus and drive and all this kind of stuff. I would, I noticed that when I got to the grocery store that I would just like get stuck in my car and I would get my phone out and I would just start scrolling Instagram or replying to messages or just even playing one of my match games because I love matching puzzle games. And I would hang out in my car for like 20 or 30 minutes before I felt like, centered or calm or grounded enough to then take my grocery list, which is a whole nother high mental task for me, get my grocery list and go in the grocery store and grocery shop that, you know, like my grandpa can go to the grocery store and he's like in and out, got the stuff, takes him an hour and he's home. I go to the grocery store with the same exact list and it's like an hour and a half, two hours. And Josh asked me one day, he was like, what takes you so long? Why is it that, why he's like, I, he's like, I don't really care. He's like, I'm just curious because I kind of worry about you because you're gone for so long. And I was like, well, probably I started thinking about it. I have to have transition time. I have to have time in between tasks to kind of regulate and adjust my body and my brain before I stop one task and start the next. So transition time can be one of those hidden boundaries. Allie, do you have some transition time things that pop up for you? Yes, I have like 10 thoughts, but I'm going to say all of them. Um, But one is, you know, transition time is one of those things that like people stop talking about once you're like seven, right? Do you remember, you know, your parents kind of having you on a schedule and there was the transition to school and then the transition leaving school. We've like forgotten about this. It's gotten even worse now that we're all at home. So at least you used to drive someplace, right? So there was a transition. These, these little things are just gone, but to Carol Jean's point, it's not like you still don't need them. Um, so thinking about what they are and then grocery shopping in particular is uh, a form of hell for me. Honestly, I, I, I hate it. Um, but if I'm going to do it, one of my ways that I transition Carol Jean is I'll start a podcast. My grocery store is also like five minutes away. So it's a little easier to start it. So then I'm super into it while I'm grocery shopping. So I'm definitely the person that's like not talking to people, not saying hi, like head down on a mission, but I'll get it done. Um, the other thing I wanted to, Margot said something that I really wanted to uh, point out. She said, I often think that things take much longer than they actually take. And then I procrastinate on it. 
Yes. This is something that I learned, um, only a few years ago, but I was like, wow, you, your brain will take as much time to do a task as you allow it to, it will fill that time for you in sneaky little ways. And it will. So if you say I have all morning to get this report out, you will literally sit awkwardly at your computer all morning or procrastinate because your brain just knows how to stretch it for you. As opposed to, um, that's why some people really benefit from like, I'm just doing this for 20 minutes, like really small chunks and then shutting it down because the longer it is, your brain will fill that time for you. Yeah, and we've got some really great comments here in the chat. I wanna just kind of highlight for a second. Hanu says, sometimes I have problems to really enjoy something like reading a book because I'm afraid I might fall into time blindness and miss something important. Ooh, definitely. That, that definitely runs on autopilot in the background for me too. And it's like, as I'm doing a task, I'm constantly checking the clock because I'm so afraid I'm going to lose myself in what I'm doing and miss something or forget something. Oh, that's it's a good one. And Davey has a really good one too. He says, takes me ages when I get home from work to do other stuff. I think I have a big transition time after. Yes. And that's something really important to start noting is we have different transition time segments. Like for me, it's about 20 to 30 minutes between driving and then going into the grocery store. But at the end of the day, like after I've been working and doing stuff all day, I need like a good hour and a half, two hours of like, don't talk to me. Just let me do my thing and let me just bitch because I'm not doing, I'm not, I don't have the wherewithal to do anything else. So identifying what actions and tasks give you those and how much or how long each transition time kind of needs to be, you'll start to see a pattern and Hey, we're pattern seekers. So, you know, naturally that's our good thing right there. Um, Michelle said she has time blindness too, but that she didn't experience that when she was working. And, you know, that's, that's a lot of something I think that we all can kind of look at at a certain time, especially with having a dual neurotype of ADHD and autistic we also have those overstimulation things, but we also have those understimulation things. Allie? Um, I was going to say something about, oh, I just, I think it's so important for us too, as you'll continue to, to learn what your transitions need to look like. So like some people I know need downtime for four hours, which can be too long if you actually need to get stuff done during the day, right? Like you, you have to produce some things. So looking at ways, um, Carol G and I talk about this a lot, like what does your rest look like? What are you doing to regulate yourself? What actually feels really good? So um, I forgot who brought up book reading, but I struggle with that too. So I started wearing um, like a real watch, not an Apple watch that tells me when people are texting me, like one of those real old school ones. And um, I will just kind of zone out on the couch and know there's two hours. I'm not going to read for two hours, but just know there isn't something going on for another two hours. So then I can just sort of check in periodically. Um, but yeah, looking at what that is, it feels good for you to calm down. Um, cause it is, it's hard. Transitions are difficult. Well, and the important part about transition is just recognizing that we need time between activities and how much time we need between which particular activities, because it's going to fluctuate. Because when we can identify those, we can start budgeting for them and adding them in to how we schedule what we do. And it makes tracking and scheduling and sort of containing our life and what we do 
so much easier because you can then take off a lot of pressure when you actually know, hey, I need like 30 minutes between these two activities instead of, you know, ending up with back-to-back appointments for things. And then you're exhausted, you feel rushed and you get frustrated and all of those things show up that happen. And, you know, think about what happens when you get under a lot of that pressure and you're feeling like I'm late, I can't, I'm not going to get there. I'm behind schedule. And then all this stuff starts to feel really big and really heavy. And that can lead to a meltdown. So one of the other hidden things when it comes to time boundaries are our expectations about how much we can do and what we think we can accomplish in a day or what we should be accomplishing in a day. We got those, a lot of those shoulds that happen, you know, and we, about ourselves and about others and about maybe what we think other people expect us to be able to do. You know, it's like, I think I should be able to do these 10 things in one day, but in reality, I really can only do three. So Allie, what are some of the things that, that those hidden expectations can sort of make us feel? Oh yeah. I mean, just even what you were just saying about like, not just because something ends, like this is supposed to be 90 minutes, right? I used to literally put something five minutes later. And when I look back on that, I'm like, we had no time to even maybe go to the bathroom if something ran over. So just, you know, thinking about your basic needs in these transitions. And then look, I think everyone can relate to this feeling. There's a lot of shame when you set yourself up for really high expectations. Um, You know, I'm sure everyone here is guilty of the to-do list. I'm going to get all these things done on the to-do list today. Um, and then maybe you get a fourth of them done. So even though you accomplished a fourth, you still feel like crap because you didn't get all the things you thought were going to get done. And Carol Jean brought up a really good point. You tend to make your to-do list in isolation, meaning like you might be, you know, sitting down, having a cup of coffee. It's the beginning of the day. Nothing's gone wrong. Well, life happens. So the chances of you truly accomplishing all 10 things is pretty minimal. So I think it's really um, safe to start looking at what am I accomplishing? And if I was you, I would almost under, under expect for yourself. And then if you do, if you're doing better, amazing, maybe you add a different task, but also to Carol Jean's point, as you start to look at what the tasks are in your life, what's more draining and what's not really draining. Um, And what is even really necessary we tend to have expectations. Um, I work with a lot of people on kind of like job coaching and a lot of people get tripped up in there's email, there's Slack, there's social media. There's all these like channels that they can be communicated through. Um, but we went through this person's email one time and honestly, their email was a bunch of BS. It was just kind of like ways to be more healthy or like this is going on in the company. And they felt like the expectation was, oh, I need to read all these and like respond and be doing this every day. And it was taking away time from them that they did. It's not something they needed to be doing. So looking at that too. Yep. And looking at the expectations that we have and really asking, do I have to? Yeah. Whose are those? (laughs) Right. Is this, is this true? Is this is this true for me? Is this yeah. going to serve me in my life? 
And really that's the most important thing. And if you guys have been following along with me for a while, you know, my cat's phrase is you don't have to, (laughs) you don't have to, you don't have to do anything the way anybody else does it. You do it your way. You find a way that works for you. You don't have to do anything that you don't choose to do that isn't enriching your life and making a difference in how you authentically show up as yourself and how you reach that place of what thriving is to you. So we've got these great things. And Allie mentioned she has sort of the old school watch. I've got this digital watch here that does my tracking, does all my stuff. It vibrates. I got it set so that it goes off and vibrates to remind me to drink, to remind me to eat, all the things when I'm doing a mental task because I need that distraction. So I was a hospital administrator. And one of the things that we kept having come up in some of the departments where I had nurses, and this wasn't a cardiac unit, guys. So this is critical cardiac unit, the CCU. And it was really important that all of the monitors, when they were beeping and going off, that the nurses were checking them. Well, we were having a problem. We had a lot of complaints that were coming in for a while where patients were ringing their buzzers because their monitors would be going off and beeping like crazy for 20 or 30 minutes and nobody was coming in to do anything about it. And so I started digging and I'm like, there's got to be a reason. There's got to be something. What's going on? So of course, I didn't know I was autistic, but I was following the data, looking for the connections, looking for all the things that tie it together. And what I discovered was all of the nurses that we had just brought in, because it was this one shift in particular, all the nurses that were on this one shift were all very seasoned nurses. They had all been nursing and nursing in in this particular field for at least 20 or 30 years. And our other teams had a mix of much newer, fresher nurses and more seasoned nurses, but this one crew had all seasoned nurses on it. And so I started thinking about it, started looking at it, started pulling from my resources of all my other, other areas of study. And I said, hmm, something's not adding up. Something's here. Well, there is this thing that happens called hedonic adaptation. And once we've been exposed to something over and over and over again, all of a sudden we no longer notice it. So think about if you had a brand new car, when you get like a brand new car, you get a new outfit or new shoes or whatever, something brand new, you are hyper aware of if anybody's, nobody's drinking in my car, nobody's eating French fries. We are not gonna be digging French fries from between the seat. And you're really careful. Well. Eight months, a year down the road, you got half drunk sodas in the cup holder. You got McDonald's French fries between the seats. You got trash on the floor in the back. You know, that's hedonic adaptation. And that was happening with the nurses. They had gotten so accustomed over the years to hearing it that they know they started to tune it out. So that's one of the things that can happen to us. We've got timers, we've got reminders, we've got trackers, we've got all sorts of apps, you know, calendars and all these things to keep us on track, but they don't serve us and we don't notice them and they become in something in the background when we've gotten accustomed to them. We've used them for so long or we've done it for just enough time that it's become the norm. Have you guys experienced this? Because my watch will go off sometimes and I'm like, no, I'm busy and I'll turn it off and I just keep on going. And it's not the same alert that I had before when it first started. I'm like, ooh, I got to get some water. 
Allie, do you have things that happen like that? Yeah. So my phone is becoming that in a way I, uh, realized that I'm really have been, uh, having trouble responding to texts. And I think it's cause I let the loop of, Oh, I hear the sound. I'll get to it later. And I just haven't, I haven't been, been doing it. And it, you know, it's also when we have a larger discussion on like what we value too. So if those dings mean, Oh, I have to wake up to go to a job. I really don't like, I mean, why wouldn't you start ignoring that alarm ding? Right. Um, the other thing is I just want to comment. Michelle was saying that before therapy, she kind of like works up for it and then takes some time after as two big transition times. Um, I just wanted to comment on that because I don't think people do that enough and it's really valuable. Like you have, you have stuff that you have to process. Um, so it's, I'm really happy to hear that. And then other people were also just mentioning that feeling of, um, I said shame, but someone's saying that worthlessness feeling of, I didn't get this done. I feel worthless. Um, lazy comes up for me a lot. Lazy. Um, you know, I, I, I should have just managed time better. Um, that kind of thing. So again, but if you, you weren't aware that you had time blindness or that you needed transitions. Um, and I just, when we keep, keep thinking to yourself again, like, where are these expectations coming from? So like when I started school, it used, it's, it's, a I don't know, considered typical or normal to see eight patients a day. So that's eight hours a day of client back to back plus taking notes. And that was considered the norm. And when I look at that now, I'm like, wow, I was probably pretty crappy to the last three clients, not intentionally, but just how do you even have that capacity? So just looking where, where you're getting these thoughts from, even why do I need so many sounds? Oh, because the Apple watch is out and everyone has one of those or like, um, Oh, I read somewhere that you should have three alarms to try to wake up. We tend to absorb these things that might not even be ours. Oh, Davey made a really good comment here that I think we can all kind of have a moment to relate to. Sometimes I feel undeserving of the opportunities as I have because everyone else seems to be more productive. This was one that I really struggled with for a long time. I got stuck in the comparison trap. I was keeping up with the Joneses. I was comparing everything I did to everyone else. And I was feeling really crappy about me. And I read a quote that said, comparison is the thief of joy. And when I started looking at my values and I started really evaluating what was important to me or, and defining what I wanted my life to be and what success is to me, joy was the thing that was really important. And I had read that quote and I thought, if comparison is stealing my joy and joy is something I truly value and, and how I defined it as being part of my life, why am I doing it? And it goes back to our boundaries that were taught growing up. So were any of you guys growing up, did your parents, did adults in your life, did they discuss boundaries with you? Was this something that you actively had a, a, a conversation about? Drop it in the chat. Yes or no. Were boundaries discussed growing up with you? Did you guys know what Davey's they were? saying no. Yeah. Oh, Davy said mine did not. Okay. Yeah. Yep. 
Okay. Well, here's, here's the, here's the relief here, guys. That's normal. None of us got it. I was like, <laughs> boundaries. Are you kidding? What the hell is that? Nobody talked about those. I just knew I was supposed to do X, Y, Z. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Thank you, please. And that's it. Yeah. Right. Well, that's one of the things that a lot of our coaching clients tell us. That's pretty much the exact response from everybody. Had no clue they even existed. You know, what are you talking about? Well, here's the thing. We learn about boundaries from our parents. And that can be through intentional conversations. Like, fortunately, there's kids out there that this is a conversation that's happening in their world. And boy, am I glad. I'm glad. And Allie and I try to lead these kind of conversations. But it also could have been happening through by example and by modeling. And those are not intentional conversations that are happening. Now, I didn't say this was conscious or that it was helpful. <laughs> Just that they were models and they were examples. I didn't say they were definitely the ones that were helping you. So <laughs> these are some things to start thinking about. Because, you know, like when we're little, think about this. How many times were you told by your parents, go clean up your room, make your bed, pick your clothes up off the floor, put your toys away. So those were unconscious boundaries that were being set for how you were to clean your room. And and then the expectations were being set by your mom or dad as to the level of cleanliness for your bedroom. You know, how are you supposed to do it? What's it supposed to be like? So even though it may not have been talked about in your home, boundaries were being set and modeled for you in ways that are still affecting you today. Um, Carol Jean, I think another really good example too, is I don't know if anyone, um, I was always told you have to invite everyone to the party. So my birthday is the end of, uh, the school year, right. When summer would begin and we had a pool growing up. So my mom was always like, you have to invite every single person. Some people were like actually mean to me in school though, but they were still invited to my birthday party. So that was a weird kind of boundary I learned. Right. And then also, um, I have a large Irish and Italian family where in our culture, family is everything, right? And you feed your family, you hang out with your family. That is everything. And indirectly, it was definitely modeled to me. You put that above your own needs. So there were so many times when I was in school where I'm like, I I don't want to go to my aunt's house and have pasta. Yeah, it tastes good. I have so much work. I'm freaking out. I've been procrastinating but I'm going to go do this because this is what you're supposed to do. Um, and little did I know before boundaries, that's why I was so like miserable, a little resentful the whole time, just wanting to leave. This is the sneaky thing. When you start to learn your boundaries and you start to realize that they're violated, you also start to realize, Oh, that's why I'm annoyed at that person. Or that's why I didn't have fun there at all because the whole time I didn't want to be there but I was making myself because of some expectation I had. I'm over here reading in the chat. Okay. Good stuff. I know. Right. So the first time I heard about time boundaries was today when I read about this workshop. Well, I am so glad you're here. You're in the right space. You're in the right place. So one of the things too, when we're talking about time boundaries and sort of how they're imposed on us and boundaries just in general is, you know, we've got those like spiritual 
you know, political and religious beliefs, mm-hmm. you know, those boundaries are set by our family. Like we believe this and we believe that, and you believe this because you're part of this family and you're indoctrinated into that, you know, as part of this is how you stay safe, right? Cause our parents and our brains, number one, seek to keep us safe in all things. And so these boundaries, even though they weren't communicated in, in a direct way, they were being indirectly modeled and set up for us because this is what our parents or the people that loved us thought was going to keep us safe. So when you start to think about your time boundaries from this position, it really helps you evaluate them in a whole new way. How am I spending time? And is this keeping me safe? And is this serving me? Right? That is a really big question to start asking. Because these boundaries by default that have been modeled for us, they become our our belief system and our expectation levels that we've set for ourselves. Even though it wasn't an intentional choice, boundaries are adopted through life that were not conscious and they're made not and, and they were made without any knowledge of our neurotype or with intention. So you got to remember that too. So like when you're, you know, you're told, Hey, you know, kiss your aunt or let your aunt, you know, hug your aunt, your aunt always gives this wet, nasty kiss. And it's just like sensory hell. And you just you want to wipe it off immediately. And then you got yelled at because that was rude and that wasn't nice. Right. But it's a sensory thing. And you're just like about to vomit because her spittle is now on your face. That was a personal boundary that they were telling you wasn't okay. Like you couldn't hold that. I think to Carol Jean's point, a lot of this stuff is really subconscious and it probably is for your family too. It's very rare that people sit and go, these are the things we're doing and these are the boundaries I want my kids to know. So, you know, I see a lot in the coaching that I do. um, A lot of the people that I coach, their family of origin is very impressive, right? They've done amazing things. These are go-getters. Their parents are, you know, doctors and all these amazing things. So subconsciously they've kind of told people productivity equals your value equals your worth. So it's really easy to violate your time boundaries. If you're operating under the assumption that my worth is in how productive I am um, and what I produce. So if just kind of see if those sneaky things are in there. They're really, they're subtle. Um, you know, for some women, it's getting married by a certain age because there's a lot of feelings around, like you do certain things by a certain age. Right. And to Carol Jean's point, that's not guided with your neurotype or the climate you live in now. It's very different. So just thinking about that too. Yep. And here's the exciting part, guys. Today we're shifting And we're going to be crafting time boundaries with intention to serve you to replace those default boundaries with ones set with knowledge and intention for your neurotype. So if we're crafting a time boundary, the first area we're going to start with is to identify where you're spending the majority of your time, like home or work, how much of of that time you spend in each category. So if you guys were to look at your day and you start to identify and break it down into little chunks, where do you spend most of your time? Let's, are you at home or are you at work? Or if you're working from home, are you doing most of the time that you are at home working? So that's the first one. 
So then you got to look at the next little layer because we've got categories within our daily life. So like how much time do you spend on household chores every day? How much time do you spend watching TV? How much time do you spend exercising? And here's the real important part. How much time do you spend with other people and who do you spend the time with the majority of the time? So where do you spend the majority of your time? Home or work? Drop it in the chat. Like for me, I'm at home working at home, but I am like working at home. <laughs> home. Okay. Yep. Well, and Carol Jean, I just want to say like, I don't know for anyone else, when you look at these categories, even this, you can see how if you're not really aware of your time easily, your day could just be maybe work and eating. Like if you're not thinking in like, I want to actually incorporate some of these things into my life, it's really easy for the most, um, you know, like a parent thing that constantly needs something such as work to take over a lot of your time. Yep. And David's got a good point. How much time do you spend commuting? How much time do you spend in your car in transition from one place to another? That's a really big one. So we're going to break things down into categories. So this is where you're going to start your list. Like, what's my morning routine? What are the things that I do on the regular every morning as part of my morning routine? And how much time does it take me? Like, and within that, where am I spending most of my time? So for me, I make sure that I get up in time because I have to have a good two hours before I start, like before my brain is kicking in and ready to do anything. So I get up, I make, let the dog out, go to the bathroom, make my coffee, you know, and I've got it kind of down to where I know how much time everything takes me, you know, cause it takes me about 45 to 50 minutes from the time I get into the bathroom to do my contacts, put my makeup on, fix my hair, put my clothes on that kind of thing. So what's part of your morning routine and what part of your morning routine are things that you aren't choosing, but that you get caught up doing anyway. That is really important, Carol Jean. And what part of your morning routine did you maybe see on Instagram or hear in a podcast that you think you need to be doing? Like, for example, I saw, I don't know if anyone's heard of the 5 a.m. club, but it's a big, right? So some people, Robin totally Sharma, amazing. But one of the big things is reading and journaling. So I kept, I'm actually really productive in the morning too. So I was like, yes, this is happening. No, I just, I don't know. I do it midday. I do it at night. It happens. But I think that too, just like, are you forcing yourself maybe to add things to the morning routine because you're supposed to, um, like for me, I'm my morning routines, less time, Carol Jean, but it's, I just started to look at, okay, I like coffee. And I like going on a walk. And if those things happen, I'm good. I can keep going, but I need a lot more at the end of the day. So you got to look at where you need your, your things. Right. We're going to start digging into this a little bit deeper. Let's go through some of these other categories. So how much of your day in this particular time category do you spend at work? Kind of start making note of these. And then how much time do you spend on household chores? How much time do you spend running errands, like having to go pick up groceries, having to go, you know, pick up medication at the pharmacy, those kind of things. Self-care, how much time do you spend on self-care? Like how much time do you exercise? How much time do you spend listening to music? How much time do you spend painting or reading and journaling? How much time do you play? Do you play? 
What about social rest? Do you make sure that you've got a, a time in your day where you are authentically connecting with another person? What about appreciative rest? There's seven areas of rest, and these are, these are two of them I'm naming here that are part of the self-care. Appreciative rest. Lulu does this a lot. Appreciative rest can be creative rest, you know, when you're creating things, when you're painting, when you're drawing. Cooking or eating out. How much time do you spend cooking? You know, and all the stuff that goes into it, not just the buying the groceries, but planning the menu, buying the groceries, prepping the food, cooking it, storing it, all cleaning up and doing the dishes, all the stuff associated with that. What about your nightly routine? What things do you do every night? What's part of your nightly ritual? And how much time are you sleeping? How much time are you sleeping? I love that, Carol Jean. I just want to also add to cooking or to any of these, how much time would it, it take to do these things and it be enjoyable? Because I can cook really quickly. I can rapidly chop onions and be going in between things. And I've done this, or I can set aside an hour, pour a glass of wine, really enjoy my cooking experience. And I, I don't know if that's possible every night, but it's important to think about how can these things that I'm doing daily be more enjoyable and experiential? Oh, Allie, that is, that is the critical question. Is it bringing joy to me? Am I enjoying it? Or is this just like a frenzied, hurried, check it off my list activity? Because when you start to look at what you're doing from that perspective with those, those glasses, those lenses on, you start to ask yourself some different things and it starts to allow you to make intentional choices because you might say, well, I'm having to hurry and get dinner on the table, but I'm going to be intentional and I'm going to budget in the time so that at least two or three nights a week, I've got the time to enjoy a glass of wine, turn on some music and really have fun during the process of cooking because I enjoy it. And when I don't feel rushed, I really get to enjoy the aromas and have the fun and all the chatting. So when you're thinking about these things, it helps you decide how many nights I need to do something or, you know, how often do I need to have it met to this, this particular level that I want and how many times in the week am I just going to check it off my list and get it done? Cause it's got to get done. Cause there's, there's gotta be balance in all things that we do. It's not all going to be sunshines, rainbows, and glitter, right? <laughs> there's, there's some real rubber meets the road things that happen in our life that aren't always about just the joy of it. But when we start to incorporate and intentionally choose when and how often we make sure we're getting those joyful things in our life, that's the game changer. Here's the next layer, guys. This is one that's going to be real uncomfortable for some people. Who are you spending your time with? And how does that person make you feel after you've been with them? I'm going to let that one settle a second. What is your energy level and your emotional state after you've spent time with that person? There are people in my life. Oh, go ahead, please. I was just going to add, this can feel tricky because there could be people you really love, but maybe you've talked to them a few times during the week. And you don't really have much else to give. 
they don't have much else to give. And you realize after like, okay, I didn't need to have that conversation. Another thing, um, I, I adore my husband, but if I didn't do the things I needed to do during the day, so I violated my own boundaries, I can be a little bit like annoyed by him. And that's confusing. It's not a him thing. It's, I didn't get some stuff done that I knew I needed to get done. And now he's trying to hang out with me and it's taking away from the time that I should have gotten stuff done. So it's just something to think about. Like my kids, I love my kids. My boys are amazing, but those little suckers are time vampires. (laughs) They will suck all of the time. If it's there, they will completely throw my schedule out of whack. Not intentionally, but it happens. So what I had to start doing was looking at, okay, where does the time get completely thrown out of whack? Even though we might be playing and having fun and we're doing the fun stuff, it's really hard to manage some time. When my kids were little, it's a lot easier now that they're teenagers, but that was one of those things. I love them dearly. They don't aggravate me. They don't upset me or anything like that, but they do impact my time and how I use it and what my energy level is because they require They, even as teenagers, they they have ADHD and autistic, just like their mama. So, you know, they got the high speed. I'm, I am all over the place doing everything and we want to be fully engaged and let's go do this thing, mom. And I'm like, all right, let's go do it. And then I'm exhausted. So it's really important to start noticing those things. So the next layer is we're going to look for points of frustration or resistance throughout your day. Does it seem to take you longer than you thought to complete a task? Does it feel like you're Your whole to-do list and schedule gets busted because one event throws it all off. In what category is this happening most often and what specific task? So this is how you sort of start to identify where those hidden boundary busters are. It's where am I feeling frustrated? Where am I feeling like this point of resistance or pushback or things don't seem to go easily or all of a sudden your entire schedule is thrown out of whack? That is a place to start looking. There are some things that can influence your time. You know, people that that just talk too much, you know, you love them, but they're just little chatterboxes and you can't seem to get anything done, you know, or those people that want to help you to death, like they want to help you over the cliff helping you, you know, and it's like every time you're trying to do something, they're like, oh, let me help you do that. Oh, and you're just like, oh, for the love of God, please put it down. I can get it done in five minutes if you just go sit down out of the way. Thank you. That's my mother. I love her, but oh, Lord, have mercy. And, um, you know, and then there's those people too that show up in your life and they're just negative. They're the complainers. It's like nothing's ever good enough. Nothing is ever right. You know, they want to pick everything apart. And you're just like, oh, when they leave, I'm just like totally drained. Right. And we've got that layer, you know, of people that you're spending your time with. Well, you know, how do they affect your time, your mood, and your energy? How are they affecting your energy? Even though you might love them to death. I love my kids to death, but they suck my energy. And so, and I think the big thing too, Carol Jean is you have, you have choice. And when you want to talk to people, we're not saying when you can get rid of all annoying people, you can't, even if you love them, you can't get rid of them. <laughs> but, um, like my mom, she's retired and she's bored and kind of just wants to talk to someone. Right. And I know that, and I love her. So I call her when I'm going on a walk because I'm like, okay, I'm on a walk. This feels good. Like, I'm very happy to talk to you now. 
Um, I don't answer if she calls me in between clients because I'd rather have that 30 minutes to do what I want to do. Um, but Michelle perfectly defined what people pleasing is in the chat. And Michelle, as a very recovering people pleaser, I would have answered my mom's call maybe a year ago. And then speaking of the time blindness thought, oh, I'll get off with her in like 10 minutes, but no, then 30 minutes goes by. And then I'm going into another hour of zoom, really frustrated at her frustrated at my client that I'm seeing, even though it has nothing to do with them. So you could see how this sort of spills over. If you don't, if you're not aware of who might be sucking time and adding time. Yes. And Allie and I, we were talking before we came on the workshop today about people pleasing being one of those hidden time busters <laughs> for sure. So we all have this thing called peak performance hours. And I love it. And this is actually something Robin Sharma from the 5am club talks about, talks about peak performance time, peak performance hours. And it's really important to start identifying your peak performance hours right now, because in each season of our life, as our hormones change, as the demands on our time and our life change, our peak performance hours are going to change as well. So one of the questions that we asked you guys when you were signing up from registering for this workshop was what time of day are you feeling most tired right now? So here's the results. 14 of you said, I am most tired in the morning. I'm just like, it is taking me a while to get going. 12 of you said in the afternoon, 10 of you said in the evening, and five of you said midday. So I'm going to launch a poll question here, and we're going to talk about the opposite. We're going to talk about what time of day are you most productive? What time of day are you most energized and you feel the most creative? So answer the poll and Think about what time of day are you like, I'm on, baby. It's good. I'm here. I am in the zone. What time of day is that for you? And it's going to be different for every person and it's different in each different season of your life. So I'm going to leave that up for you guys to vote on. So think about the activities you've been doing in your day that require more focus, energy, and creativity. Now, does that time align with your peak performance hours? So if you had to think about what time of day you normally do a task, let's say, all right, Lulu, I'm going to use you as an example because you're all, you're always so creative and I love this. So Lulu is an incredible artist. So Lulu, if I asked you what time of day do you normally create your art? Drop it in the chat box. What would you say? What time of day do you normally create your art? And what I'm going to be curious is, does that align with your peak performance hours? your art in the afternoon. Okay. So Lulu, does that align with your peak performance hours? Is that like when your brain kicks in and you're like, I'm, I'm go, I'm in go mode. Yes. Okay. And it feels really good, right? Like it's easy and everything just kind of flows. So let's flip it around. If I said, Lulu, I need you to get up at 7am and I need you to create a piece of artwork and it needs to be finished and turned in by 10am. How much harder would it be for you? <laughs> you can unmute and you can unmute if you want. I know it's probably easier than texted, but I would imagine it would be so much harder if I said, Lulu, you got to do this early in the morning and she's an afternoon person and have to turn it in. It would be like 
fighting uphill in the mud and your boots are getting mud bogged down and you just can't seem to, to get going. But if I said, Hey, Lulu, you can, yeah, she'll drop back in. If I said, Hey, Lulu, you got to do this at about two or three o'clock in the afternoon. And I need it maybe by four o'clock. Then that would be so much easier because it would, I would be asking Lulu to do art in a time that works for her. So, so Lulu, how hard would it be if I asked you to do something like create a piece of work at 7 a.m.? Right. Can you hear me? Yeah. I can hear you. Okay. Me. Okay, good. Um, sorry, I pressed buttons that I shouldn't have pressed. <laughs> it's good. I have the technicals. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, if you ask me to do, if you ask me to wake up at seven in the morning and have an art piece done by 10. It wouldn't be my best art piece in the world. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it would be 10 times harder. It really yeah, would. It totally would. But if I asked you, hey, Lulu, could you maybe get this to me by four o'clock in the afternoon? Then you could like do your stuff and, you know, two, three o'clock and you get it. And it would be like, it would feel so much easier. It would go faster. Like it yeah. wouldn't take as long. Yeah. Okay. So you guys starting to see how the alignment of your peak performance hours and the task that you do in those times, how it can affect how much time you actually spend doing it and how it feels. Because if it's, if you're doing it at 7 a.m. in the morning, it's going to require a heck of a lot more energy and focus because you're like forcing through a time that's not best for you. So start thinking about these areas. Um, so how could you adjust your schedule to align with those things? So when we're talking about these things, you know, make a list as you're going through it. What time of day is my peak performance hours? What things do I need to do that really require a lot of focus and concentration? And how can I maybe arrange my schedule so that those things are aligning so that it's not as demanding? And how could I get help from other people? Or how can I change this to a different time to make it more manageable for me? Our time boundaries begin to evolve and get clear when we can identify where, how, and with whom we are spending our time, where we are hitting resistance, frustration, or exhaustion in our day, and what tasks are we doing that are more draining, and even who may be a part of the equation. So time is a non-renewable resource. Once it's gone, we can't get it back. So our question when we're looking at these things is, how am I intentionally spending my time and how am I doing it? Am I doing it with working with myself or am I working against myself? A lack of time boundaries and alignment of these tasks with our peak performance hours often leads to meltdown, shutdown, and burnout. Those are one of the biggest contributing factors. So now that you've identified your time categories in the day, your peak performance hours, where you are experiencing resistance or exhaustion, and who influences your time, use, and energy the most. It's time to talk about how to set these boundaries into a working framework. How do we use this? Now that we've got this knowledge, what do we do with it? So we're going to talk about blocking out your day into time categories based on your list. So when you look at this, you're going to align tasks with your peak performance times. You're going to move less demanding tasks to your lower energy times. So what items can you eliminate completely? 
what items are you doing in your schedule and in your day that you really could just completely get rid of? What tasks are important for you to keep? What category do you need to add, like self-care, play, or one of the areas of rest, like appreciative rest or social rest? So we're not just talking about what do we do with what we have. We're also looking at what can I get rid of and what maybe do I need to add back in to balance this out? Remember, this is a working framework. This is a working framework. That means that we're going to adjust it as we go. That means that this is a flexible framework that's just giving us a structure to start working from. So I had this really beautiful story and I loved it. And it really made me think. So there was this older lady and she was about 70. And every day, she lived in Colorado. And every day she walked down from her house down to the creek below it with her two buckets. One of the buckets was new and it was nice and beautiful. And the other bucket was older. She'd had it a long time and it had some cracks and it, you know, didn't hold water as well as the brand new one. She would walk down to the creek and she'd fill up her two buckets and she'd walk back up the hill. And as she walked back up the hill, that older bucket was about a third of the way full by the time she got home because the water was leaking out. And she was a pretty wise woman and she'd been doing it and using this bucket for years. Her neighbor was there and he saw it and he was coming to help her with some wood. And he said, Miss Clara, why are you still using that old beat up bucket? You're losing almost all your water and it's a wasted trip. She said, what makes you think it's a wasted trip? Simply because when I get back home, I don't have a full bucket of water. Well, yeah, isn't that the point? She goes, turn around and look at that path. And he did. And it was lush and green and there were wildflowers growing all along it. And she said, do you think that that path would be lush and green and those flowers would be growing if I hadn't been hauling and leaking and watering them for the last 30 years? And he sat back and he looked for a minute and he thought about it. And he said, no, and it's so beautiful. And she said, and I enjoy all those flowers and all that green grass all the way down to the creek and all the way back up to my house every day. How often do we look at a bucket? We look at ourselves with our flaws and our cracks and where our water's leaking out and we think it's broken. It's not working or we do something in our life and we think, man, we're losing half of our stuff. It's not staying in the bucket. But really and truly, we're watering and growing and nurturing the plants and the flowers. We're changing our environment. Just because it's not perfect doesn't mean it isn't serving us. So as you're crafting your working framework, remember, it might be a little bit of a leaky bucket to start with, and it may remain a leaky bucket. You may have time that goes out, but sometimes that time is also creating things. It's blooming things. So keep that in mind. All right, we're going to talk about how we start using these boundaries. How do we communicate them? How do we communicate these boundaries? Let me check this poll real quick. Let's see what everybody says. So peak performance times, 
40% of you guys said afternoon. That is when you are coming alive. We got a tie for morning and midday at 20%. And then another 20% at late evening, late night. So nobody has evening here. Oh, that's really interesting. Okay. And what's interesting to look at also is just how does that show up? And here's the results I just posted them. How does that show up and, and start looking at how do I align these things? So if Allie and I started to ask you about, if I said, okay, you got a new time boundary, let's say, for instance, you're not going to um, go to the store in the afternoon, like you need to do that earlier in the day, but you've always been going in the afternoon and, and your, your spouse or your partner or your family says, oh, but that's, you go at three o'clock every day. That's when you go to the store and you're like, you figured out that does not work for you. That makes you have like a whole lot longer transition time because you don't have the spoons to really navigate it. It's late in the day and you're going to start going in the morning. So that means that somebody else has to have their list ready. So how, what might you feel? Like there's sometimes there's some things going on there. So drop in the chat. What would you be most or what are you most apprehensive about when it comes to sharing these boundaries? Like what's something that might make you feel a little uncomfortable today? Allie, I know you might have something to add to this. Yeah. I mean, I think so much of us too is it's just, well, I don't want to inconvenience that person. Like it already works for them. So I don't want to inconvenience them or I don't want to be a bother or, um, you know, I'm asking too much. I'm taking up too much space. I don't know if anyone can agree with these statements. Um, you know, and it, it, a lot of this comes down to, um, which we will get to as you keep learning Carol Jean and I, but it's it's values, it's self-worth. So much of this is rooted in boundaries. And if you're a people pleaser and other people's needs matter more than yours, it's really easy to go, or I just don't, they, they don't really wake up early. So I'm going to be asking them to write the list the night before or even early. And that just seems like a lot to ask of them. And I could go at three. It's not like I can't. So I'll just go, right. This could be the, the dialogue. And If you're always the person that kind of just does what people ask, sometimes when you do say, hey, actually, I was thinking about my schedule and morning would be much better, you might actually get kickback from the person. And this is really important. It's not their reaction isn't your fault. You don't have to be responsible for it. We can calmly coordinate with someone, but you don't have to feel responsible for how they're reacting. Because their reaction probably is genuinely like, well, I don't want to get up early, but they're doing something to help you to make it easier for you to get this task done, which is what you probably do for them all the time. <laughs> exactly. And you know, those, those fears and those apprehensions that we have, they come a lot from our past experiences when something felt uncomfortable and we're trying to avoid that feeling again. And then we also have these predictive things that we have predictive thinking of like what we think might happen. But what Allie and I have found and what's so critical, especially in late identified life, is starting to shift and share and make some choices from a place of curiosity. When you shift it from to a place of curiosity and being the scientist in your own life and just trying things out and being open to whatever the outcome is, it's not a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's just what it is. And we figure out if it serves us or not. That makes all the difference. And that really helps shift 
sort of the energy and the thoughts when you go to share with somebody say, Hey, I'm just going to try this out. I've noticed that this is really hard for me to go to the grocery store in the afternoon. It, like, it takes so much more for me to do it. And I'm really exhausted. I know this is probably going to involve a few changes for all of us to make this happen, but I'm going to start trying to go in the morning and see if this helps me. Because if I go in the afternoon, then I don't want to cook. So you got to include your why, have an actual conversation, not just a dictatorship of, hey, I'm going to do this and basically put up or shut up. That never goes well for anyone. <laughs> I just want to open that little point of, of address there. And, and how we share when we're sharing from a place of, I'm going to try this out because this hasn't, I've noticed this really is making it hard for me and it doesn't work. People tend to be like, oh, wow, I had no idea that was so hard for you right? Really get a little vulnerable on this one. Share your why. Share the reason you're wanting to try something different. That makes the conversation go so much easier. So go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, when you have curiosity, you always, you open it up for the other person too, as well. Um, for example, my husband just always grocery shopped on Sundays because his mom did. There wasn't, I, I don't think he had a thought about it, So then when we had a conversation, it was pretty apparent, like I was just doing what he wanted and he was just doing what he was doing since he was 16. So it was actually a really enjoyable conversation to be like, oh, well, we're grownups and we live in this house. So what would work for both of us? Right. Um, So you might be surprised what you open up. Because a lot of us, we're all holding in all this stuff that we hadn't even thought about and we're just forcing ourselves through life. And we really don't want to keep doing that. And when we shift from a place of being curious and and scientist in our own life, and we're trying out new things, we start to open up not just new avenues and doors for ourselves. We start to trickle some of the water along the way and help other people start to, to thrive and flourish as well. And that's an important part of the things that we want for the people that we love in our life. So how do we communicate when a time boundary has been broken? Like if we say, we're just going to do this at this time, we're not going to go to the grocery store at two o'clock. We're going to go to the grocery store at 10 a.m. And somebody doesn't get the stuff together and they do all this stuff and it ends up forcing you to have to go in the afternoon. Or you're like, all right, screw it. I'm going to the grocery store. And if you don't have the whole list ready, I'm going to get what's, what we got. And that's it. And there, you know, consequences are consequences on that. How do we have that conversation? To Allie's, what's some, what's maybe the, a good way to start to start that conversation where we're not having an accusatory position or a debate, or we get upset or our feelings get hurt. How do we have this so that we're really helping ourselves and the other people to start navigating and maybe understanding and, and setting and respecting those boundaries? Yeah, I think it's one thing having buy-in from both people about like why this is valuable. So typically you're going to be having a conversation about a, a boundary of some kind or a change that you need. It's probably something that's already affecting another person anyways, and you might not totally realize it. So with grocery shopping, like, Hey, I noticed, um, I'm always rushing to get the list. And then you're kind of feeling like we end up doing this so late on Sundays. And I just don't think this is working for either of us. Can we collaborate on a plan? This is my thought and why, right? And then be open to their plan back. Um, Most people, when you're coming back with like, I want to collaborate, it's pretty rare that they're like, 
no, I'll only grocery shop on Sundays at this time. Um, the other thing is you can, if this is like your romantic partner or maybe family, you can also be honest. Like if someone's like, actually grocery shopping Sundays at three, just really has worked for me. It's part of my routine. I love it. Then it could be a different conversation of, okay, I actually hate grocery shopping and I go to bond with you, but I feel so stressed after that. I don't even have fun when we like eat our food after. So what if I use that hour and I do, I don't know, you could say like, I clean this part of the house or I, um, do the vacuuming or whatever. Like you, you trade off things. It's also okay to own that you, some tasks are just not something that you enjoy or good at. And you'd rather have another thing that you're doing. Yes. And, you know, Allie and I, as part of the communication ecosystem in our five elements, have what's called the de-escalation protocol. And we go in depth in Coaching Cafe Academy into how do we respond when all of the emotions are really high and everybody's kind of emotionally charged or upset about something. How do we respond to that in both in person and in text? And one of the ways when we're in person to help navigate this is asking the question, so what's your proposal? Because a lot of times people haven't even really thought about why they're agitated or upset about something. And when you ask the question, so what's your proposal? That puts them in the critical thinking mode of having to go through, how do I solve the problem? So we're then also moving forward in the conversation to look for a solution and we're no longer just blaming, right? So that's one of the things that we talk about when we teach and we go in really in depth in the Coaching Cafe Academy. So before we get to our question and answer section, and I know we're getting to the top of the hour here. So if you guys have to go, that's totally okay. But Allie and I would like to share about our new Coaching Cafe Academy. And we have created the Coaching Cafe Academy. It is going to be a six-month coaching program. And we are really excited for it. Coaching Cafe Academy is a structured online communication and relationship training facility that is fully supported by actually autistic and ADHD instructors combined with a vibrant community because community is so important in our late identified journey. It, we have a monthly framework to keep you immersed in authentic connection, fully supported so you never feel alone on this journey and to keep you encouraged and on target in achieving your goals. We know you want to gain greater power over your life. We know you want to get more consistent results with making things happen. We know you want to be able to help the ones that you love, to be more at peace within yourself, and to gain a greater understanding of this world and others and how life really works. Ever since, ever since beginning Mind Your Autistic Brain and Coaching Cafe, we've both been asked constantly, when we'll run more programs, more coaching, support calls, workshops, respectively, and together. The problem is there's just two of us <laughs> with just she and I. So how could we make it work? How could we continue to create, write books and about being late identified autistic ADHD humans and our unique relationship and communication styles? and coach people, and share our latest cutting-edge techniques and insights, and keep in touch with everyone. We were really working on some time boundaries with this, and so our solution for time boundaries, and Allie's laughing because she knows I just nailed that one. <laughs> our solution for time boundaries for us was creating the Coaching Cafe Academy. 
We want to know how can we help all of you have the joy-filled and thriving lives that we have created in our own. If only everyone were in one place, and with 57 countries, that wasn't possible, but it is online. If only there was one central hub that housed everything. If only we had one home for all our neurodistinct teachings, well, now there is. We created an online coaching cafe academy, a central hub for all our our latest neurodistinct relationship and communication teaching, a lively, positive community of neurodistinct-minded people, all supporting, encouraging, and even collaborating with each other from all over the world. One place for everyone hungry to learn more about the human experience and the world to really come together. Learning to navigate relationships can be so frustrating sometimes. You can be doing so well, feeling on top of the world, feeling like you can do anything, fully unmasked and just be you. But then you wake up feeling sort of off and it all goes down the drain really fast. Your colleagues or family are doing everything they can to bring you down. A flashback or trigger comes crashing into your life, leaving you frightened or exhausted. Anxiety or depression kicks in and you have a panic attack, a meltdown or shutdown or you get sick and everything is at a standstill under a weighted blanket. Life gets in the way. Normal activities resume and everything starts to feel safe, flat, and ordinary. Normal life resumes. In other words, just when you thought you had it all figured out, just when you finally thought you were getting on top of things, just when you thought you were really getting somewhere with this late identified life business, you lost it. You lost your grounding, your motivation, your direction. I've been there. Allie's been there. It can be heartbreaking. It can be soul destroying because you think I've made so much progress. And this one little thing happened. And now, oh my gosh. And it's when many people simply give up. We're here to make sure that never happens again. That's so important to us. We want to make sure nobody ever feels like they just have to throw in the towel and give up. We're here to give you consistency, the support and the external processes for our unique way of learning. That means you'll never feel lost. You'll never feel alone. You'll never feel ashamed and you'll never feel like giving up again because we know exactly how this feels. I've been there more times than I can count. And we know that most of the time you don't need a massive intervention. You don't need a six week silent retreat. You don't need a social media break or a major epiphany. Although those are nice, most of the time, all you need is a gentle nudge, a kind reminder just to get you back on track. Can you imagine no more of that? I got it. I lost it. Frustration and feeling like you have no direction. No more wondering or second guessing yourself. No more being a slave to your emotions. Wow. That was such a big one for me. I was such a slave to every thought and emotion that came into my life. No more confusion or overwhelm or crippling executive dysfunction. And instead, having consistency, support, community, and accountability that keeps you immersed in living your thriving life almost all the time. A clear vision of what you want to be, do, or have, and clarity around the steps you need to get there. The Coaching Cafe Academy, the doors are going to open Monday, February the 14th, 
We are really excited to invite you in. And as part of being in this workshop today, you are going to get early access. We have a limited amount of seats available. We're keeping this to where it's a small, intimate group. So there's just a few places available for this. We're not doing it as a scarcity tactic. We're doing it because we want to be able to truly serve and have these kind of conversations like we've had today. What you've experienced here in this workshop today, closed captions, no video, showing up with your headsets, your fidgets, your stems. I got mine right here. I mean, we want you to show up as you. We're not putting on airs. We're not doing anything that's not just authentic selves because that's where it starts. It starts with a place where you can safely show up and just be you. And it's in a way that's structured to meet the way you learn, the way and the challenges that you may be facing in your life that we've already gone through. And we have solutions. We have a framework. We have a strategy. We have these beautiful five elements in the communication ecosystem it helps bridge neurotype communications. It's not about us talking to us and them talking to them. It's about all of us talking together. We want to thank you for joining us here today. And as part of that, thank you. And our, our gift of love, we're going to be offering a discount coupon as well. So when you get the replacement to you in your email, you're also going to get that discount coupon code. And you guys are going to get early 24-hour access. So Sunday morning, you guys will get an email that says, hey, the doors are open because you guys were at the workshop. We want to invite you in first. So we want to make sure we extend that to you guys. I hope you're as excited about it as we are because Allie and I are thrilled. And this is how we can do this and be here and share and really have that good intimate community and coaching. And we're so, so thrilled to do this. So we'd like to open up the floor. We know it's five after, so we want to be intentional with our time and yours. If you have a question, please drop it in the chat box if we can answer anything for you. We just want to thank you for joining us here today. And we want to make sure that you know you're important to us. You matter to us. What you think, what you say, and who you are makes a difference in the world. And it makes a difference in the lives of the people that you love. Um, how often will the meetings be? Okay, will you include chat with transcript? Yes, we will have the chat box open, just like we do here. This is, this is how we roll. <laughs> this is our jam. Um, it's structured and set up so that it is a, one, a topic each month from the elements of the communication ecosystem. And then it will be broken down into those four weeks. And it's really fantastic because the first week is the training week. And that's a recorded video that you can watch on your time. You can watch it as many times as you want, and you can go back and re-watch it. And that's it. There's nothing there. It's just, here's the information. Start taking the time to digest it. You've got that whole week to do it. The next week is, and these are gentle, no high pressure steps, because Allie and I have both been through these neurotypical courses and we're like, oh my God, this it's is too much so stuff. Much. Yeah. And it's too fast, right? Yeah. And it doesn't give you time to process so this is built and created for us by us. So what happens is in week two, we have what's called rubber meets the road. And that's one action step. It's going to help you take the information that you learned in the first week and be able to just start taking that first step of trying it out. And that way it gives you the places to navigate, say, okay, this works for me. Or, ooh, I found this place of resistance. I found this roadblock or this challenge when I started to use this because you may not even notice it until then. And then in week three, we start helping you break down, well, what were the roadblocks or the challenges that you found last week? And let's start breaking these down and, 
and addressing them and how do you navigate around them? And we wrap up that week three with a live question and answer where we'll be doing it in Zoom just like this. And you see that little thing that says a breakout room? We're gonna be taking each group every week and breaking out into two different groups so that we can better address whatever challenges you're having. All of these things will be recorded so that you can go back and watch. So I I have to watch some things two or three times to make sure I didn't miss anything. Sometimes I'll hear some stuff and I didn't hear it the first time. And so all of this is recorded where you can go back and access it as many times as you need to. It will have all of the transcripts and everything there. It'll even have just audio. So if you just want to listen to it while you go for a walk, you can just listen. And we try to make sure that they're going to be visual. So there's going to be worksheets. There's going to be workbooks and things to help you. If that, whatever your learning style is, we meet those learning styles. We make sure that you've got visual. We make sure that you've got auditory. We make sure you've got some tactile things as well in some of these um, events. And in that question and answer session, those breakout rooms will come back together and we'll have a big conversation, but you'll get the recording from the other breakout rooms so that you can, you know, because just because it may not be a problem right now for you, it might've been one that you didn't think about. And, you know, Allie and I both learned that in group learning, we learn so much more because somebody's always going to come up with a question or a problem that we didn't realize we were having, but we weren't, oh my gosh, I have that problem. No, no. I was just going to say again, like, I think what Carol Jean's really getting at what her and I really are intentioning for this year is just a community where people can be really talking about what's going on, but then there's coaching around it. Um, cause we've just experienced so much of this and helping to put it together in a way that works. And then, yeah, I think Carol G was going to say in the fourth week, um, we'll have either, it would be a special guest. So someone we know well, and who we think can really give information either about being in a neurodiverse relationship, or if you're single and you're trying to navigate neurodiverse relationships, neurodiverse friendships, these are some of the um, guest speakers we're going to have. And then we also are going to do a little bit of live coaching on that fourth week. So again, someone could come with a question or an, a, an issue, and we're going to work through it in real time. So people are going to have the opportunity to do that. And uh, again, that's recorded. So everyone else can kind of see like, oh, okay, wait, that's me too. I could apply this to my life. Yep. And we'll make sure too, that we are doing um, time adjustments so that everybody gets a chance to, to join live that way. If you're in a particular time zone and you're like, oh, that's like 2am for me, we're going to make sure that we adjust those things so that everybody gets a chance to attend live and everything will be recorded. The great thing about week four is that it's that dopamine ADHD novelty hit because we like structure and framework from our autistic side of the brain, but we also like to have those novelty and those fun things and doing things that are different and changing up. So that week four, we have several different things that'll rotate through. And one of our first mastermind guests is Mona Kay from Neurodiverse Love. So we are really excited. She's going to be here in April as part of the Coaching Cafe Academy. So guys, we would love for you to come sign up. Make sure you look for that discount code that comes out with the replay for this. And we will send out that link on Sunday night. Well, Sunday morning, early, Sunday morning, early here, it'll, it'll launch at 6am and you guys will get the first opportunity to sign up for this. And we have several different payment plans. There's all kinds of stuff available for you. Um, Michelle wants to know what about today's chat session? Um, Yes, I think it will allow me to do it. I'm going to try and save it. I haven't done the chat yet. I usually just get the transcript. So Michelle, I'll take a look at that for you.
Any other questions that you guys have? Or Allie, did you see one that we may have missed? No, I was going to say, Michelle, what I sometimes do is I'll just copy and paste from a chat. If there's like a certain part that you really want and throw it in um, a word document, because I'm does zoom, let us download a chat. I'm not sure. Carol G. I I don't know. I haven't ever looked at it. Okay. This is a really, yeah, yeah, I yeah. love that Michelle asked this because now I, this is one more thing for my techie brain to figure out. <laughs> oh, when are the meetings and uh, the, the pricing? Okay. It is $57 a month, which is like bargain because the value of this is actually over $2,000 a month. So we're pricing this because this would be your founder's price because you would be getting in first. Now these prices will be going up um, over time once we start getting into this. So this is not gonna always be the cost that will be going up in a couple months. So, you know, get if you wanna get in on this early, definitely do that because you're gonna reap the benefits of the savings being the first in here. Um, and if you sign up and do the pay in full, the one-time pay in full payment plan for the full six months, you will actually get an additional month free at the end so that you can continue to access all of the recordings and all the information. Because once the course ends, all of the information is gone. Um, so if you pay in full, you do get access to an additional month of, of getting that. Let's see. Oh, and then he wanted to know when are the meetings? So um Jesse, we are still, we know um, we're thinking Mondays, but we also, some might be on Fridays because it's, it's weekly. Um, so we just have to figure out again, where are people signing up? Like, where do they live? Yeah. And then make a time around that. And remember your first week is a pre-recorded thing. So you can kind of watch that um, yep. whenever you need to. Yeah. Yep. So the only one that we're going to be doing um live is that week three and four. And we're going to make sure that we have a consensus from the group. So we find out what day is best for everybody and what time frame kind of hits every, where everybody has a chance to attend. So don't feel like you're going to be pigeonholed into a certain day or time. We're going to make sure we take everyone into account. We'll be asking that. Uh, we're using a fantastic new platform, which allows us to have quizzes, lots of engagement, lots of really fun things. And this is not any Facebook stuff. There is no Facebook required for this, which I was over the moon ecstatic about, I was determined to figure out how to do it without doing any Facebook stuff. And I figured it out because <laughs> Allie and I are both kind of like, eh, we're not loving, we don't love the platform. So, <laughs> so we have set this up to where we have a great community. We have a great place to collaborate. We have some wonderful ways that you guys can connect and share. This is something that works with your life. We've got a couple of live things. We've got pre-recorded things. So there's a good mix. So you're never feeling overwhelmed or taxed. And we do this things where we're layering in, hey, if you're, you know, feel like you're a beginner, intermediate or advanced, we're going to make sure that you've got something in all of this. It's not going to be like, oh, I'm just starting out and this is all new to me. Hey, if you if you were one of the founding members that came through our very first one, this is going to be so much deeper. You're going to get those layers that are going to take you to that that medium and advanced level as well. So we're going to hit all the points, and we've got all of it covered. So we're really excited for you guys to to join us and to be in this. And we want to make sure we go ahead and wrap up here in just a sec. So if we don't have any more questions, thank you so much again for being here with us. We have really thank enjoyed you. our time, and I hope that now learning about the hidden items that can break your time, thinking about some of the ways you may have been thinking about your time and didn't even recognize maybe some of those hidden boundaries that you learned growing up were affecting how you were operating your schedule today. 
We hope that this has really given you a lot of insight and a lot of changing and a lot of shifts and ways that you're going to start trying in your own life. Cause that's really where the rubber meets the road is when you start to try it out. Let us know how it goes. We would love to hear about it. We're here to have a conversation. We're not here to talk at you. We're here to talk with you. Thanks for joining us today. And if you, you loved this session, this is, there's so much more. We got six whole months of just amazing conversations just like this. Come and join us in the Academy. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye, guys. If you are someone who likes to help people and share what has made a difference in your life, please share this talk show with a friend and on your social media accounts so that you can be the blessing in another late-identified autistic's life. Be sure to tag me at Social Audie so I can personally say thank you. And to help keep the talk show ad-free, please consider becoming a one-time or recurring supporter through either Buy Me a Coffee or the Anchor Podcast links in the show notes below. I truly appreciate your support. Thank you for being a listener and thank you for adding your voice to our story.